Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. We're starting a brand new series titled Pulling Weeds, okay? Pulling Weeds. How many of y'all are also pumped up about that as well? Some of y'all are like, I don't even know what you're preaching about, but, uh, but I'm excited about a new series. So we're talking about destructive behaviors, okay? I don't know if you're ready for this, but some destructive behaviors in your life, some patterns that need to change, okay, in your decisions to protect yourself and the relationships that God intended for you to have, okay? Because God blessed us in order to have relationships. When he created Adam and Eve in the very beginning, he saw that it was not good for man to be what? to be alone. So he created Eve for this healthy relationship. But since the fall of mankind, the enemy has always come in to every relationship, whether it's friendships, a romantic relationship, a marriage, right? A, a, a family relationship. And he's trying to split apart the things that God meant to be a blessing for you. But the reason why I'm calling it pulling weeds is because what do weeds do, right? They choke out what was meant to be planted to be beautiful, something to admire. And if you study what weeds do, they actually come in and they invade, right? And they compete with nutrients of the plant that you planted, meaning they're trying to drain the plant of all the nutrients that you want to give that plant to succeed and to grow and to be beautiful. Weeds choke the life out of what was meant to grow, okay? You hear the setup happening here? (laughs) You see where I'm about to go with this? So what does the Bible say spiritually about weeds in our own life? Well, Jesus said, listen, weeds will always cause spiritual death in your growth with him. He said this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. In this parable, he said, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the word of God, God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the way by the worries of life, not us, not the children of God. We don't have a lot of worries, do we, right? It is so easy to say, God, I know you can do it on a Sunday. And then Monday comes and God, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, right? Because all these worries are attacking me. I can't sleep, I can't eat, and I just need some peace. I don't know what to do. Listen, these are the weeds in your life that are choking you. They bring worries into your life, the lure of wealth. And so no fruit is produced. So what do weeds do? Weeds distract us. Weeds consume us to the point where we no longer trust that God is in control. And when we get to that point in our life, we no longer walk by faith. And when we don't walk by faith, what happens in our life? Everything becomes stagnant. We produce no fruit. You were created in the image of God. Look to somebody next to you and remind them of that truth. You're created in the image of God. Go ahead, tell somebody next to you. Some of y'all are like, I don't know this person. You created in the image of God. Okay, so listen, but it's true. You're created in the image of God for a purpose. But weeds want to choke the life out of you. But not only that, we also see that in the very next chapter, okay, in the next parable that Jesus talks about, actually in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus also says that weeds can represent the sons and even the daughters of the evil one. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 26. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, the enemy, the devil came and he planted what? Weeds among the wheat. Then he slipped away. So the weeds here represent those who live for the world. Those in your life that want to compete with you. 
take all the nutrients from you, drain you mentally, exhausting, right? Or even lead you down the wrong direction because they're following the world. Hey, come with me. This is fun, right? And in many cases, it seems tempting. But listen, Jesus is also saying, listen, I am in charge of the world. And the wheat here represents the sons and the, and the daughters of the most high. And so when the crop began to grow, though, and produce grain, the weeds also grew. And if you study the rest of the parable, and I don't have this on the screen, but he started talking about how they wanted to uproot the wheat. But Jesus said, no, 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 you can't do that. The farmer said, no, because if you uproot what's good, or because you're trying to get rid of the bad, you're going to uproot what is good as well. Meaning, Jesus is taking his time. Listen, God knows his perfect time of him coming back. I do say, I will say, it's coming very soon. I believe he's coming back very soon. But his heart is for all to repent and have a chance of salvation and a changed life. But the truth here is that we live in a fallen world. So the Bible is very clear. Listen to this. Be cautious about the relationships you establish. Why? Because a weed can look normal on the outside, but also drain you from the root. Can be poisonous at the root on the inside. You may think everything's good, but you have these feelings knowing that it's not from the Lord. But so many of us, what do we do? We are led by sight. Unfortunately, what do you hear all the time? Like, oh man, I met this girl and she's so beautiful. Like she is fine. And I know that I want to be with her the rest of my life. I think this is the one, right? Or maybe she's saying, but he's so handsome and he's, he's got muscles and he's everything I prayed about. And I got all these butterflies in my stomach and I love him. Listen, chill out. <laughs> Get some Pepto, all right? We got some stomach issues. Pray about it and receive confirmation from the Lord because just because you feel it in the moment doesn't mean it's from God. And the truth is, attractions in your life can also become distractions from what you were called to do. And Satan can put these tempting things in front of you. Adam and Eve, what did they see? They had everything except this one fruit. But Satan showed up and said, hey, look how good that looks. Maybe God is holding back on you. And that's what we do in this world. We look at everybody else's relationships or how they're living or what they got. And we're saying, God, are you holding back on me? Like, they look like they're having fun. They like each other. We don't even talk. I don't know what's going on here, right? And so we pursue all these things, thinking the grass is greener on the other side, but it never is. And it just leads to a bunch of hurt and pain. And so God wants to give confirmation in your life. And here's what I love about the word of God. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, uh, guard your heart above what? All else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Who you choose with, to be with today, who you choose to marry was meant to be for the rest of your life, right? So guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. But also don't worry. Listen, God has given us clear instructions on how to protect ourselves from the weeds trying to surround us and choke out what was meant to grow and be beautiful. So the title of today's message is Toxic Weeds, okay? I'm going to teach you today how God wants to pull out these toxic weeds, these decisions maybe you have been making in your past relationships that can change today. Now, before I get into the word, I want to say this. When I was younger, um, I used to pray to God to be like Samson, 
Okay, I thought he was like the coolest out of the Bible. I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to bench press a house and have biceps bigger than your truck rims. You know what I mean? Like that was the coolest thing. And by the way, my parents moved here from Louisiana, so they know exactly that this is true. Okay, so now I have to behave because they're here. But anyway, I used to pray to God, make me like Samson. Now I got kind of close. Don't say anything, I'm joking. Okay. But now I'm very thankful that God did not give me the same life as Samson because a lot of us only know him due to his strength, his physical strength. But the truth is, if you study the story and the life of Samson, it was messed up. Every decision he made within relationships can teach us what not to do, okay? The route not to take, all right? Why was he struggling so much? And I do believe a lot of us can relate to this. Listen. Because his identity became lost due to the toxic relationships he pursued. His identity became lost due to the toxic relationships he pursued, meaning what you pursue can change you. And if you pursue anything else besides God, it can lead you into an opposite of direction of what God wants for your life. So let's talk about the background first of Samson. Who was he? Um, He was a miracle child. Similar to the story of Abraham and Sarah, Samson's mother could not have children until an angel of the Lord showed up and said, listen, you're going to have a child with a purpose. What was that purpose? Let's read together. Judges chapter 13, verses two and three. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah and his wife was unable to become pregnant. So they've been praying for some time. She struggled with infertility and they had no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Again, uh, if you've been here over the last past Sundays, you see that I show you this over and over again. Whenever we see the angel of the Lord, many theologians believe that this is actually Jesus showing up to the scene. Okay. So we see this in this moment that the angel of the Lord is speaking to her saying, you will have a child and there's a purpose for this child. Now, what's kind of funny to me about the rest of the story is that the, the husband wasn't there. Manoah wasn't there. So he didn't hear any of this. So imagine as a wife hearing this, like, all right, but now you got to tell your husband. Okay. And is he going to believe everything? You know, like, what's he going to think? And I want you to see how she said it. Judges chapter 13. Verse six and seven. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me. And I I think this is kind of funny and I'll explain it in a second. But she said, and his appearance was like the appearance of an angel of God. Very awesome. Now, I did not ask him where he was from. Don't care. Uh, He did not tell me his name, but he did say to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, as a husband, I'd have been like, you don't know his name? You don't know where he came from, but the only description you got is that he looked like an angel of the Lord coming to you, looking good, looking awesome, speaking to you, saying we're going to have a child, right? So what did Manoah do? He was a praying man, okay? And and he he went to the Lord's presence and he prayed in verse eight. And he said, Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again. If this is true, please confirm it, Lord, in my life and give us instructions about this son who is to be born. He's praying because listen, he's been praying for this miracle for a very long time. They've been praying for a child for a very long time. Now they're about to receive the blessing and he's kind of like, God, if this is real, I don't know what to do. (laughs) 
I wanna be able to handle this correctly. I wanna raise up your child. If this child has a purpose to do something for the nation of Israel, please help me to understand, right? Any parents in the room? It's hard to understand, isn't it? And every kid is different. I don't, I don't know why. Every kid is different. Sometimes it's hard. You're like, God, please, please just help me know what to do because I don't know what to do in this moment. Like our first child, when he was born, he came out like a parent, okay? He made us believe that we were the best parents in the world. Lies, all right? And then we had two more that were adventurous and had their own personalities. And my second child loved him to death. There were some times that I prayed to the Lord, God, how are we gonna do this? I kid you not. True story that when he was younger, he was supposed to be in the backyard and he wasn't in the backyard. He was in the neighbor's yard naked on their lawnmower. And <laughs> I prayed to the guy, like, God, what are we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to raise him? But they bring so much joy and it's such a blessing. But as a parent, there's just, there's so many things you can't control. I'm going to hear about that all day now. Like, dad, I cannot believe you told that story. That was a long time ago. I've grown since then, you know? Um, but there's things in your life that you can't control. And so you have to give it over to the Lord. You pray for your children and God will direct you. And you can be the best example for them. But don't beat yourself up if they're not following in that example. Because the Lord got a hold of your heart. That's why you act the way you do. And when you pray for your child, you're also believing that one day, at the right time, God will get a hold of their heart as well, right? So he prayed for these instructions. Now, the angel of the Lord did come back, okay? And he reminded them of the boundaries that he had spoken to Manoah's wife. Judges chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. And the angel of the Lord replied, be sure your wife follows the instructions that I gave her, okay? She must not eat grapes or raisins drink wine or any other kind of alcoholic drink or eat any of the forbidden food. And we kind of read this in our culture and think, okay, of course, a pregnant woman should not be drinking wine, right? We get why the angel's saying this, but no, this is actually something deeper than that. This is called a Nazarite vow. And Samson was called to be a prophet or not a prophet, a judge for his people to deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. And so he was meant to be set apart. He was meant to be holy. So God gave him some boundaries in his life. And the Nazarite vow meant that you could not drink alcohol, could not drink wine. You could not be near a dead body and he could not cut his hair. Okay, the luscious hair that we think of when we think of the idea of how Samson looked like a Jason Momoa. Just, I can't, I don't have hair like that. So. But you get, it. I just woke some of y'all up right now by saying that, right? But he couldn't do these things. And I started to think too, because in our life, God gives us boundaries to protect us because he loves us. And I brought this plant up here because again, we're talking about growing plants and, and growing something beautiful. And my wife is really good at growing plants. I'm bad. Like if I touch it, it dies. Okay. So I was really careful with this this morning and she's training my daughter to be able to grow them as well. And I asked her yesterday, I was like, what are some of the things that a plant needs to make sure it grows so well? And of course, sunlight. It's got to be put in the right place in the right area of the house so that sunlight is reaching it, but also to water it and show love. And I've shown this before. I don't have time today, but I've shown you this study before where it was a, um, a test where somebody was speaking bad words, hateful words to plants. I don't know if you guys have seen this before. And the plants actually started to die. But when they were speaking in a positive way over the plant, the plant started to grow and produce something beautiful. Meaning everything around you that grows, it's growing based on the atmosphere. 
<laughs> How's the atmosphere of your house? Are the things that you speak and what you're doing and how you trust the Lord, okay? Because I feel like a lot of us in this moment, like with the Nazarite vow, we would say, but God, that's not fair. Have you ever said that before too? God, that's not fair. You, you're giving me all these boundaries. How come I can't do what they're doing? How come I can't go drink like they're drinking? Or how come I can't get like a fresh fade and look like they look right now? But children don't always understand what a parent is protecting them from. God may put boundaries in your life to protect you from things that you don't understand or see in the moment. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna study about three toxic weeds Samson allowed to grow in his life that may be in your life today that you need to pull out, okay? So point number one is this. Let's talk about the toxic weed of no boundaries. Since we're already there, let's talk about no boundaries in your life. Question again, why is God putting boundaries in our life? To be mean, right? To tell you that you can't have fun? Because we grew up thinking that, no, to protect us, protect you and I from making the dumb decisions that we want to make. There are some things in my life that I ask God for that I'm so thankful today he did not give me because it would not have been good. But listen, here's the truth I need you to understand. Pay attention. When you walk out of the boundaries of God, you walk out of his protection. I really need you to understand that. Because we're always like, okay, God gave a bunch of rules and I got to do all these things and it just looks boring. No, God is protecting you from your heart being broken by this world, from the people around you that want to hurt you. When you walk out of God's boundaries, you walk out of his protection. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will do what? They'll walk right into it and regret it later. You ever seen somebody like that that just keeps going through these same destructive patterns? They keep walking into situations they should have never been in the first place. And then what do they do? They point the finger at God. God, how come you didn't bless me? How come you didn't do what I was praying for, right? No, an unthinking person will walk right into it and then regret it later. That's why at the beginning of Samson's story that it tells us that Israel had been oppressed for 40 years. So God chose Samson to be risen up. Why was Israel oppressed for 40 years? What's the reason? The reason they were oppressed for 40 years is because they disobeyed the Lord. So God said, okay, you wanna worship the idols of the world? You wanna follow the ways of the world? That's fine. Be under the world's protection. The world does not care. Judges chapter 13, verse one. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They did what was evil. What does that mean? It means that they were sacrificing to idols, children. They were worshiping the ways of the world. They gave in, to, gave in to so many things and they were consumed by this instead of following the God that saved them and had so many blessings for them. But they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So then God chose Samson to protect them. He would be physically strong supernaturally strong to be able to protect his people. And Samson was able to protect them physically. But listen, like many of us, Samson never learned how to protect his own heart and what he pursued in life and the relationships that he had. Because listen, he was led by what? He was led by sight instead of what was right. And the same thing may be for you today. The truth is Samson loved Philistine women. 
All right, let's look together. Judges chapter 14, verses one through three. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Like what? Okay, Samson. Like, I get it. You saw a beautiful woman, but you already want to marry her? Like, what's going on? This seems irrational. But then, listen to this. All right. He said, get her for me. Like, oh, excuse me, Samson. All right. Get her for me. And his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you can marry? They asked. Is there that one woman in the church that is a God-fearing woman? that loves the Lord, that will be good for you? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? And you would think Samson would have some type of excuse. But his only answer was this. Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good. Like slap, like what are you thinking? You're basing everything off of sight. What may be pleasing to the eye can also be a lie. Write that down, because for a lot of us, we hear it, but we don't understand it. What may be pleasing to the eye in the moment can also be a lie. Look at the story. uh, Samson did not get God's approval. Samson did not pray. He did not even have the approval of his own parents. So you would think it's the logical thing for him to walk away out of this situation. But so many of us do the exact same thing in relationships, right? But I love them. Right? And I'm talking about a dating relationship. I love them. And, and, and I just think she's beautiful or he's so handsome. And I just don't want to be out of this relationship because I'm so committed now. But everybody around you is telling you what? Look at the warning signs. This is not a relationship of love. This is a relationship of lust. And in the end, you're not going to receive the love that you want. You're just going to receive pain and bitterness and hurt. And you're going to hold on to that and carry it in to the next relationship because you're not listening to the warning signs that are before you. Or maybe it's a friendship. Maybe you have a friend in your life and everybody's saying, hey, listen, I don't know if this person's good for you because they're bringing you down. And all of a sudden you're starting to talk different. You're starting to act different. You're starting to go out and become a completely different person. The same thing for our life. We can read the Bible and say, what's wrong with Samson? But right in front of us, the red flags are waving and none of us are listening. God is waving the red flags about the relationships you're pursuing because what you pursue can change you. So God said, listen, I will protect your hearts. How do you protect your heart? How do you protect your relationships? God gave us something very profound at his second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 through 16, but it's not very popular in our culture today. Listen to this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers, unequally yoked? How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Listen to this. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's holy temple and idols? How can you share your life with someone with different values? I need you to understand this. How will you parent your children and take them to church if the person you're with does not believe in God and does not care to bring them into the house of God? How will you manage your finances and what you give and how you tithe when somebody's looking at you like, you must be crazy, you tithe? 
Why would you get to the church? They just want your money. No, God wants your heart for you to trust him. He wants to bless you and protect you. What about divorce? As a believing Christian, we know, according to the word of God, that it's a covenant under God. A covenant, not to just walk away when times get hard because even the the most blessed and wonderful relationships go through trials. That's normal. That's called being a human being, right? But what if you're with somebody that says, you know what, I'm just, I'm done. It's okay, it's cool. Piece of paper anyway. I'm gonna go do my own thing. I met somebody else. I'm done with this situation. It could be devastating. But I hear this all the time, but pastor, what if if this person, like they're, they're so good and I really can see God do something in their life. What if it's evangelism? What if I'm meant to bring them to the Lord? Listen, a lot of times you know that the Bible also tells us that bad company corrupt good, good character. What happens in a lot of our relationships, we start to become more like them and let things slide and we cross boundaries into things that we can't take back and we make mistakes. You're called to be in a relationship to be one flesh. You're not called to be a babysitter, Okay. Give it over to the Lord. Pray and allow God to lead and pray for them. I pray that they come to the Lord. But if they're coming to the Lord because of you, then when times get hard, they may walk away. And God doesn't want you to have a broken heart in that. What I'm telling you is that the Philistines that Samson always went after, they believed in child sacrifices. They believed in worshiping idols. The Philistines indulged in sexual pleasures. Here's the danger. Samson was in love with what he was called to defeat. He was in love with something that he was called to defeat. He was in love with this idea that he was called by God, anointed by an angel of the Lord to protect his people from. And for many of us, it's the same thing. Christ has set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom from the addictions that are in your life, from the things that consume you and control you. But for many of us, we like the feeling. Oh, we love it too much to walk away from it. And it's just leading us down the wrong path and the wrong direction for the enemy to have an open door to attack your marriage, to attack your friendships, to attack your identity in Christ. Every bit of it. Because what did Samson do after this? Okay, because he was in love by what he saw. He headed back to go see her to arrange the marriage. And I need you to understand that when he's going back to a woman he should not be with and a culture he should not be involved in, that's when the lion attacks. You ever notice that about the story? In the wrong direction, in a place he should never have been in, that's when the lion attacked. Judges chapter 14, verses five through seven. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Did you hear that? According to the Nazarite vow, he's not supposed to drink. And it's believed that Samson broke every vow, every rule that there is to be a Nazarite. But he was in the vineyards. And at that moment, then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. God did not leave him defenseless to still a purpose for his life, even though he messed up, even though he's going in the wrong direction. You may be heading in the wrong direction. God's not going to leave you. He may intervene at times. 
You can still walk away from his protection, but at times he's going to call you and say, listen, listen to my word. Come back to me. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he was able to rip the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. Should have been a wake-up call. I'm not where I should be. I don't need to go see this woman. A lot of things, a lot of red flags are happening. My parents aren't happy with this decision. I'm being attacked. I feel like the Lord is telling me something. So he he turned around. (laughs) No, no, he didn't. Verse seven, after all that, when Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with a woman and was very pleased with her (laughs) because he was led by what? Led by sight and not by what was right. Sometimes being led by sight can be misleading. And that's why God tells us that we are not led by sight. We're led by what? By faith. Because it doesn't matter what I see right now. I know that my God is still in control. No no matter how many nights you may have cried over your relationship, God, please do something. Please heal my heart. It is broken. I don't know how to heal. God comes through. He will never leave you. But when we pursue only sin, do you realize that it's darkness, lust, addiction, all these things? It's pure darkness from the world. And the Bible tells us it will make you blind. Like, have you ever met somebody? You're just like, what are you doing? You keep going after the same guys. It's not working out. After the same girls, it's not working out. You keep making the same decisions, the same patterns. It's not working out. But they're like, I don't see it. Why? Because they're spiritually blind. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is like what? Total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. They trapped themselves in situations they were never meant to be called in. But here is a revelation, okay? Here's what Satan tried to do in his life. Here's what Satan will try to do in your life. Satan will entice you to leave God's protection because he wants to devour the power that God has placed upon your life, the authority that God has placed upon your own life. I just told you that there are areas in my house that this plant has to be in order to receive sunlight and water and grow. But what would happen if I just randomly took this thing and hid it in the dark? Would it grow? It'd die, right? It would be killed. What if I took this thing and, and, and nobody knew where it was and nobody watered it anymore, nobody took care of it, nobody you know, spoke to it or whatever, and it didn't grow? What would happen? It would all die. It would be killed. And guess who else would die? Me, okay? Because my wife would kill me for doing something like that. I'm not going to, so that's okay. <laughs> Boundaries protect healthy growth. It's not to be mean. It's not to say, hey, look, you're going to live a boring life. No, it's so you can live life to the fullest. And not backslide into an area you don't need to be in with problems that you weren't meant to battle. Because when you are distracted by the enemy, you're going to fight the wrong battles. You understand? You're going to fight battles that just waste time. God has you on a clear path, this direction for you to fight the enemy. So the enemy brings all these other things so that you keep fighting yourself instead. Why? Because he's looking for an open door. An open door to take the power that God has placed upon you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. God's boundaries, listen, protect your heart from being manipulated. Isn't that awesome? God's boundaries protect your heart from the wrong agendas, from the things in our culture, from our life that want to hurt you and bring you down. But are you listening to the warning signs and the red flags waving, all right? So point number one, the toxic weed of no boundaries needs to be pulled out of your life. Point number two is this, the toxic weed of hidden sin, all right? Hidden sin in our life, meaning unconfessed sin. This is my identity. This is what I do. This is what I have in my life. I'm not going to repent to the Lord or give it over to God. You can't hide sin. It comes out. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 17, he said, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into what? Open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. You cannot hide sin. You cannot hide these things and say, I'm good, I'm fine, and not confess it over to the Lord. Eventually, it will catch up to you. The weirdest part about Samson's story is this random riddle that comes out of nowhere. If you've ever read the story, have you noticed that part? For the longest time, I'm like, why did he say a riddle? Like, he's, he's celebrating the wedding feast now. Everything's going good. There's about 30 Philistines celebrating with them. And, and Samson just comes out of nowhere and goes, hey, guys, I got a riddle for you. I'm like, what, what do you mean you got a riddle? Like, is Batman coming too? Like, what are we doing here? And he says this random riddle that I never understood. But I'm going to show you a revelation about it today. Judges chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. By the way, linen was very expensive. This is something the rich had, okay? So he's making this bet with them with this confidence. Okay, guys, out of nowhere, let me show you my power and my strength. And then he tells them the riddle in verse 14. So he said, out of the one who eats, came something to eat. And out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. Have you ever said something and the moment the words left your mouth, you're like, probably shouldn't have said that. Like, that was not a good idea because I think I just caused some problems or maybe you were in an argument. Like there, there are some arguments you just need to like back down from. Like it's not worth your time or your energy, and just be like, all right, good, whatever. I'm going to do my own thing, right? But sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, hey, tss, don't say that. Don't post this. Why? Again, these are more boundaries for your life to protect you from situations that can get really difficult. Because Samson showed up out of nowhere and says, hey, I got a riddle for you. Now the wife that he's about to marry is being threatened. Her life becomes threatened due to the words that came out of his mouth in arrogance. When you speak arrogantly, you not only hurt yourself, you hurt everybody else around you. When you feel entitled in what you're speaking. Judges chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, she now begs him for the answer because her life is at stake. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You must hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't even told me the answer. Don't miss the next line. 
He said, my parents don't even know. There's a reason for that. He said, my parents don't even know the answer to this riddle. Verse 17 and 18, so she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. I'm gonna read this too. And the Judges chapter 14, verse 18. So the men of the city said to Samson on the seventh day before sundown, here's the answer to your riddle. And they said it the exact same way. What is sweeter than honey? Honey is the answer. And what is stronger than a lion? Lion is the second answer. And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Like, what did he just say? <laughs> when, I, when I said that in the first service, everybody was like, what? what? Like he called her a heifer. He's about to marry this woman. It was an insult. He didn't care. He had strength. It's okay. We're going to pray for y'all. <laughs> but listen, why would he say such a thing? Why is he insulting? This is something that he caused because he was anointed. He, become, he became entitled to his anointing. Nobody can touch me. I can do whatever I want to do because God called me. God chose me. I'll treat you however I want to treat you. You ever been in a church where somebody who said, I'm anointed, put you down constantly and hurt you and condemned you and said all kinds of things about you or did not act in a way that was righteous or did not even ask for forgiveness? How did it make you feel? You started to say, oh, I don't want to go to church. If that's what it's like. Now, that's what the enemy does in our life when there's an open door to pride and entitlement. But keep growing in the Lord. Keep searching for God. Keep coming closer to him because God will always humble the proud. No matter how anointed you think you are, God will humble the proud. And so we see this here. And Samson became furious, full of rage. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but here's the problem a lot of us don't understand about Samson's riddle. See, there are many commentaries about the riddle saying, well, this was actually theology, okay? And Samson was speaking about the enemy, the devil coming to attack him, but the honey is sweet like Jesus. I, I get it. I can see it. But with Samson's behavior and his actions, I think something else here is what took place. Because here's the problem that I see. Let me first say this. When you lie, it always leads to more what? Lies. There is no such thing as one lie. Okay. In a relationship, in a friendship, in a family, you tell one lie, you got to tell another lie to cover that lie. And then you tell another lie. And then you don't even know what the truth is anymore. You ever met a liar that lies so much they don't know what's truth anymore? Because they've said so many things, they can't even remember what really happened. And it breaks down trust in a relationship. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, a false witness will not go unpunished. And a liar will be destroyed. And for some of you today, I believe that either gives you hope or it scares you. But you can give that over to the Lord. But what it means is that there are people that will come after you and say things about you. You don't have to attack them. Leave it to God. And those that lie will be found out. They will not go unpunished for the Lord will handle them. But here's what I need you to understand about the riddle. Okay, here we go. Ready? Samson's riddle was never truly a riddle at all. 
In fact, it was a secret about his hidden sin. It was an impossible riddle that nobody could guess because it's something that happened to him personally in a, in a situation where he sinned that nobody knew. That's why he said, my, even my parents don't know about this one. Judges chapter 14, verse eight and nine. Let's see what it was. Remember the lion that he killed? All right, coming back, what happened? Judges 14, eight and nine. He turned off the path. Samson, first of all, I just... I see that every time. He just kept going off the path, doing his own thing, to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. So he scooped up some of the honey into his hands, and he ate it along the way. Didn't care. Nazarite vow. Can't touch a dead body. He's like, I don't care. I'm anointed. I got supernatural strength. And he ate the honey, but not only that. Look at this. He also gave some to his father and his mother, and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken honey from the carcass of the lion. That's why he said, they don't even know the answer to this riddle. It's a secret sin of my life. I haven't confessed it to God. I haven't confessed it to anybody. But a root took hold of him. And in a moment where he really showed his pride and arrogance, the truth came out to betray him in a riddle. Listen, a lot of people don't know this, but according to the Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter six, if you sinned against God, okay, and you can look it up yourself, in Numbers chapter six, if you sin against God, you have to go to a priest, make a sacrifice, okay? And not only that, listen, you have to cut your hair. Shave your hair. Samson? What happens if he shaves his hair? He knew that. He loved what the Lord gave him, but he didn't love the Lord. Not yet. He really cared about what God gave him, this, this ability, this, this talent, this strength. But for the longest time, he thought it was on him, his own strength. But it always came from the Lord. We're going to get there. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Listen, the riddle came out to betray him because he spoke his own sin out loud to others. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13, the wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. And this leads to my last point, pulling the toxic weed of rage. There's so much that happened in Samson's life that I can't even go all the way through it. I can't even get to the point where he meets Delilah, which is where most of us know the story. But what I want you to see is that all these patterns were there before. Okay, it didn't just happen with Delilah and she's just so bad and she took um, you know, control of him and, and manipulated him. Yes, she did. But at the same time, he had a lot of patterns in his life because he was never taught how to have a healthy relationship. He was never taught how to guard his heart. He was never put in his place for being led by his sight instead of what was right. And every time it got difficult, Hulk, <laughs> rage, anger. James chapter one, verse 19. You must all be quick to what? Put somebody in their place. Be angry. Call them some names we can't say in church. <laughs> Praying for you too. No, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry 
For human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The problem with Samson is that he was emotionally unstable. He had the strength of 10,000 men, but he had the self-control of a toddler. And if you've ever met somebody like that, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody like that, it is a scary relationship to have. And maybe that's you with all the rage inside and you feel like you can't control it. And maybe you're saying, but pastor, you don't know what I grew up with. You don't know how my parents abused me or said things about me. You don't know what I dealt with or how somebody betrayed me, how I was in this marriage and I was committed, but it fell apart because she left me. And now I'm angry. So you're gonna take it out on everybody else? Somebody that's innocent coming into your life that wants to love you and help you and guide you? And you wanna scare them because you think that means control? Again, God will always humble the proud. Watch your words and what you speak. For your words will either glorify God or they will glorify the devil. And they say a lot about your heart and your relationship with Jesus. For you know a tree by its what? By its fruit. Now I get it, we're human and there are times where you just lose your cool. But I'm asking you, is it a pattern is it, is it something that's been a problem in every relationship you've ever had? Because you've never given it over to the Lord. See, instead of being able to have a conversation, because Samson never did that. He never had a conversation. He just was moved by rage. We find out next that he traveled to Ashkelon and killed 30 Philistines immediately. Judges chapter 14, verse 19. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men out of the town. He took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told him the riddle. He goes, here's, here's your garments. Here's your linen that you won. Because the wife that I was supposed to marry, this woman that I was supposed to marry, she betrayed me. He saw everybody else. It's their fault, your fault, right? And yes, she was worldly. But who made that decision, Samson? Who pursued her, Samson? He did. He made that choice. And so he gave it to them, and it says, in hot anger, he went back to his father's house. If you're not able to have a conversation in a relationship because you're too angry, what happens? You burn it all to the ground. You burn all the trust. You burn people and how they love you and how they care for you because they just don't care anymore if you're going to act this way. And eventually they'll just walk away from you because your anger is unleashed every single time. And so we see that Samson was gone. And when he came back, guess what he found out? He found out that because of his actions, the woman he wanted to marry, she was giving away to somebody else. Because her father said, listen, you acted this way. I didn't think you wanted to marry her anymore. Judges chapter 14, verse 20. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Same pattern, so. Rage, planned revenge, leading to the same hurt and pain. Judges chapter 15, verse four. What did he immediately do? He went out and caught 300 foxes and he tied their tails together in pairs and he fastened a torch to each pair of the tails and he sent them out to burn the fields of the Philistines. Here's my revenge. This is revenge. Not only that happened in the moment, but he planned this. 300 foxes burned their tails, unleashed them in the field. He set everything to fire with this rage. So the Philistines retaliated. 
And they burned his former wife and her father because of his decisions. And the next we see one of the most famous fights of Samson, where he was able to take a thousand men down with the jawbone of a donkey. But I couldn't help but notice right before the fight took place, his own people came to him and said, Samson, why are you bringing this trouble on us? Samson was called to protect the people. But every fight that I see in his life was because of his bad decisions was because of his arrogance, was because he was pursuing himself. So every battle he faced, the lives that were lost were because he disobeyed God over and over again. And so they're saying, Samson, don't you know, we're being oppressed by the Philistines. Why are you bringing this trouble on us? Here's what he said. Judges 15, verse 11, as they did to me, so I have done to them. Too many of us today, have our roots mixed in with weeds of hate and bitterness and past hurt. And we put these walls up. Like, I can't believe you said that about me. You want to say this about me? Then I'm going to say this about you too. I promise you that I can put something out there to make everybody see who you truly are. You said things like that. Or you want to take something from me? I'll take from you too. I'll make sure that you pay. You want to hurt me, I will hurt you back until the hurt just keeps going and going and going and going and the hurt never stops because it's a destructive pattern and it's not of God. Rage, this type of anger does not lead to godly righteousness in your life. When will it stop though? How far will you go? How far does it go? Have we forgotten? That today in Jesus Christ, we have been made free from hate and rage. That we don't have to talk like them. Pay attention. Like, this is freeing. You don't have to talk the way they talk about you. The way they hate you. The words they put out there. If they gossip, you don't have to gossip back. Instead, close your mouth. (laughs) Or maybe ask God, just hold my mouth. Tape it shut. I'm going to do something different this time because my same patterns never lead to something good in my life. And in fact, this time I'm going to pray for you. Not saying it's easy, but you don't have to talk like them because we serve a God who will always avenge the innocent. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 21, evil people will surely be punished, but the children of the godly will go free. Hallelujah. Meaning vengeance is up to God, not you, because you will also be consumed by hate. And guess what? You start speaking the way they speak to you, you become them. And God doesn't want that for your life either. He wants to set you free from these things. You are free by the love of Christ in your life. But here is the real problem about Samson. And again, I haven't even gotten to the point where he met Delilah. But look at the patterns. What's the major core issue in Samson's life? He kept loving things that did not love him back. He kept pursuing things that would not pursue him. He wanted these things in his life, this idea, but it was all based upon worldly desires and not what God was speaking in his own life. Again, every battle that he fought 
was because of a destructive path he chose. His patterns continued. And we see this story because I used to love that story and I still do. Took down a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And God did this for him. And then he cried out to the Lord, I'm thirsty. And God quenched his thirst. You would think his life would change. The very next chapter, he sleeps with a prostitute. And then right after that, guess who he meets? Delilah. Same patterns. God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He can change your situation. He can do the impossible. But don't blame him or other people if you're not changing your patterns and following the ways of the Lord in every relationship that God has blessed you with. So he gets with Delilah, and this is where most of us know the story. She betrayed him. She cuts his hair, breaking the fi- like the final straw of the Nazarite vow, meaning he, le- he lost his supernatural power. It was no more. But the biggest thing the enemy wanted to do was what? Listen, the biggest thing the enemy wanted to do to Samson was for him to lose his vision, his sight. And when you lose your vision and your sight for the future, you start to lose hope. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. Satan is always trying to steal your vision for the future by leading you out of God's boundaries for an open door to attack you. But here's what I love about the story. Oh, I can't wait to show you this. Because everything about it just seems doom and gloom. Let's be honest. (laughs) I can stop right here and be like, well, that was an interesting message. (laughs) But that's life. And God has called us all, but we don't always listen. But we can learn from those mistakes. And I see here in, in Judges chapter 14, when Samson went to his parents, in verses three and four, And remember, Samson told them about this woman that he met, this Philistine woman, and he said, get her for me because she looks pleasing to me. Verse four says, his father and mother did not know that this was of the Lord and that he was seeking an occasion to take action against the Philistines. What? Here's what this means. The Lord knew every dumb decision Samson would make but the Lord still chose Samson and he worked on his behalf and he said my word has been spoken I will protect my people I will do something supernatural so every time you mess up I'm still going to intervene and my word will be declared and my word will be seen in your life meaning no matter how many dumb mistakes we make in our past God can change you today God will battle for you today when you give it over to him, because God's will will always take place. Either you can follow it or walk away from it, that's your choice, but his will will be done. And what he's spoken will be done. And God wants you to grow into something beautiful, something amazing, so that you can be a light in the darkness. For those that live by the world, they stumble upon the darkness, but you'll become a light and draw them near to the word of God. And grow and produce something beautiful that's what God has for you the end of the story Samson lost his sight but he humbles himself before the Lord and God gave him his supernatural strength again and then he pushes the pillars and everything falls on the the Philistines and the Bible tells us that he killed more Philistines than he ever did in battle on this one day 
because the Lord's word will always be accomplished against the enemy. But here's what I see out of this. Samson had to lose his strength to find his strength in God. He had to be humbled to understand it's really God that's in control of all things. So you may have a talent, ability, blessings, finances. God has given it to you. But if you don't praise the Lord with it or handle it correctly, it can be taken away. Because if that becomes your God, God will hand you over to that, to the enemy's hands. But it's in those moments. He says, listen, I'm still here though. It's still my voice speaking to you. It's me. I'm the one that gives you strength. I'm the one that satisfies. I'm the one that can do what this world can never do in your life. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 23. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved to this world. Protect your heart leads the direction of your life the best thing you can do with your heart give it over to the Lord surrender completely can I have you stand right here we're going to do something different today and I really want you to think about this because in your life if the devil has been enticing you for some time to leave God's boundaries to walk into something that you shouldn't be in right now something you're struggling with right now the question you should be asking is, what is the devil trying to steal from me? Is he trying to steal my faith? Is he trying to steal the word of God that God has spoken over my life and made my head full of doubt? Is he trying to steal my family? Is he trying to steal my worth? Is he trying to steal my identity or even my purity? Right now. What is the devil trying to steal from you? Something that God has placed in you as something special to be a light. Because I'm preaching this series because the truth is you can be in church, you can know God, you can be touched by God, but you can still love sin more. And sin will never love you back. God loves you more than you know. Through everything, every mess up that you've done in your life, He loves you. He's still calling your name to come to Him, to not act like the world, to be different and change, to grow. But it's in those moments that you have to release it all. And so I'm gonna ask our worship team to come heavy with praise. We started out heavy with praise, we're gonna end heavy with praise today. And in this time, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, God, I surrender to you. Everything that is getting in the way of what you're doing, Father, I praise your name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.